we like to take a look into God's Word as we have been going through the book of Ephesians. We believe that life is better when it's lived together, so we call it better together. And one of the challenges that God gives to us is finding victory in our struggles. We've been heartbroken over some of the terrible disasters that have occurred around the world. Just as last week in Bangladesh, innocent people being slaughtered simply out of some failed Islamic thought process of ISIS, where they want to kill anybody that can't cite the Quran. We saw it in Orlando. We've seen it in San Bernardino. These are terrible, terrible things. And these folks slaughtered for no reason whatsoever. And we see this in a global way, but we also see some things that are getting closer to home. I serve on the Board of Trustees at Biola University. One of the things that's happening to Christian schools, Christian universities like Biola in La Mirada, California, is that there are those in Sacramento in the legislature that are trying to regulate the moral convictions of Biola. We have senators and legislators up there that are passing a bill called 1146, and that bill is going to tell Christian universities like Biola Here's what you can believe about that moral behavior, and here's what you cannot believe about that moral behavior. Here's what you can do about that moral behavior. Here's what you cannot do about that moral behavior. Now, Biola never bullies anyone. Biola never offends the rights of anyone. Biola lives according to the legal structures of everybody who should live uh, a life that honors the government and authorities. But they now have overstepped their bounds to now regulate the biblical convictions of a school that for 108 years have held these convictions, and now that is being challenged. And so there's a restriction of freedom to actually say, we have believed this for 108 years, and now you're telling us we cannot. And it's not the specific sin, but it's the, it's the infusion of government authorities that are taking away liberties that people who wrote the Declaration of Independence would never have thought would be an application of that truth. And so we find these things that are restricting us. We find the, in the abortion front that there is less and less of a concern for babies even in the womb up to nine months and that there are, we are told by one presidential candidate, that there are no constitutional rights to life to a baby minutes before birth. These things are hard for me to fathom. Where have we lost our way that we have become calloused and indifferent to the liberties and the freedoms of life in the womb and life in the morality of Christian universities. So these are the global things that we find that are really forcing themselves upon us. And that I listed on the outline that hopefully you have, it's in the bulletin you would have received as you walked in today, some of the areas that are more personal. Sometimes it's easy to talk about the big global things and we don't think about the specific things that we wrestle with as well. We've been traveling through the book of Ephesians in the last few months. We've been through Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6. And some of those things that Paul listed, I put on the outline here, to faithfully live out our commitment to Jesus Christ, to say that, God, faithfully, I want to live this every day. Growing and serving, uniting, engaging with one another in a church, to serve one another, to support one another, to say that it's more than just one hour, that it's a commitment of my life, it's a family that I'm part of. And I'm here to support and carry out what God has called me to do. He says, that's, that's what the church is. And it's hard for a lot of us. Maintaining healthy interpersonal relationships. And this is some of the things that he, 
that he's engaged us with, like anger. If I've got an anger problem and I can't overcome my anger and I just sort of lash out and I say things or think things and I act out a certain way, that's, that's resentment and bitterness. There's an indignation against people. Paul says, don't do that. That's not part of the life. You can't live that way and be the victorious person over the struggles. Effective and encouraging communication, offering genuine forgiveness when someone hurts you. To say, God, now you've called me to forgive that person. I cannot forgive that person. It's not right for me to forgive that person. They're getting away with it if I forgive that person. And Paul says, no, 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 you, you don't understand what the calling is. And we struggle with some of those things. And then involved in a healthy, committed, loving, growing marriage. If you're married today. And Paul has just told us in Ephesians 5 that he's called us to have the kind of marriage where husbands love their wives the way Jesus loves the church. And that's sacrificial. That means I won't stop doing anything that would help my wife feel and experience my love and God's love. And that there is no limit to the love and the sacrifice that I will give to my spouse and to my family. And God says, I want that to be a healthy and vital relationship, not one of bitterness, not one of resentment, not one of a bad attitude, not one of separation. He says, I, I want to see it be a healthy growing. We say, well, I'm struggling in that area. And God says, I know that can happen, so I want to help you with that. And then some of the other areas of rearing our children, and they don't always turn out the way we want them to. I was just talking to someone earlier today, and that some of the highest highs of having children are great, but children sometimes bring us with some of the lowest lows and some of the challenges they go through, and we never stop parenting, no matter how old our children are. And then finally, serving others. You may be in a dead-end job. You may hate your boss. You may say, there is no way I'm ever going to treat him or her properly because they've done these different things. And then Paul writes in, first, in Ephesians, what we saw last week, here is what I've called you to do, to serve them the way you serve Jesus. Be Jesus to them. Be Jesus in an edifying, encouraging way to them. You say, wait a second, I don't want to live that kind of life. Don't you know what my boss is doing to me? It's a terrible job. I'm not paid properly. They won't give me the hours. Whatever the situation may be, if you're there, then you're struggling with that. And God says, I want to help you in that situation. So today's passage, and those are just specific isolated things. It could be something else. Today's passage helps us to understand what God wants. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. So what Paul is telling us is all these things that he's called us to do and to live, to be, it's part of a spiritual struggle. And that's why he says, finally, be strong in the strength of the Lord and the power of His might. He says, finally, in light of all these things, here are the areas that you need to work on, and this is why. 
So he begins by telling us we've got to depend upon the power of God to live as followers of Jesus. And any of us who think we're self-sufficient and we're kind of handle us on our own, we have been fooled. And I'll show you that the evil one wants to deceive us to think, I've got what it takes and I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to love my wife, Joy, and we've been married for 41 years, but after 41 years of marriage, I know that I don't have it within myself to love her always in every day the way Jesus Christ loves her. I've got to work on it every single day, and my own strength will never be good enough because I can slack off like the best of them. So God calls us to some of these relationships, some of these responsibilities, some of these Christ-like characteristics. And he says, I want you to do it in my power, God says, not in your own. You're fooling yourself if you think you can do this on your own. So he says, finally, in light of this, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might. So I love these three words. They're, they're like synonyms, but there's a little bit of variation on each of them, so I throw a little color at you here. Go into the weeds of the Greek language, strong. It's the Greek word that we get the English word dynamite from. And some of us blow up relationships, but God says, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in empowering you to the relationships, empowering you to the Christ-like calling. I want my power to be on full display in your life because I know you can't do it, but I will empower you to do what you can't do. And God says, that's to my glory. I love it that way. And the word strength from kratos, which comes from kra, which means to be perfect or to be complete. God says, I want you to have full power so you can have a completion of everything I've called you to do. Because no one's here telling us to live this life, and we just need to work harder at it. God says, I want you to live this life through my power. I want to enable you in a way that you would never do it on your own. And then finally, he says, in my might. It comes from a word that's related to the word to hold. It's a little bit of a color of that word that says, I want to hold you so I can complete you, so that I can empower you, because I've called you to do a lot of things that you're not going to want to do, whether it's in your job, in your marriage, as a parent, in your classroom, in uh, your neighborhood, having no unwholesome word coming out of your mouth. I know that you don't always want to be doing that, but God says 24 hours a day, I want you to do that. So let my power come inside of you. Now, as a good reminder that we cannot do this on our own, there's a great little story that comes out of the book of Daniel written uh, uh, something like 2,500 years ago. And it's an account of an angel by the name of Gabriel that was the announcing angel for the birth of Jesus. Very powerful. And he's in the midst of a battle, a heavenly power battle. And there are heavenly power battles that are going on all around us and even right now because Satan doesn't want us to hear what we are going to hear from God's Word. And this is what the passage that Daniel wrote says. But the prince, the demon, there is a demon that is over the kingdom of Persia, which is the country of Iran today. That's why we find so much disturbance that is going on in the Iranian territory and the surrounding Middle East area because there is a demonic power that is there, whether we believe it or not. You can be an agnostic on it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. So God says here, this demon that is over the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me. That is the angel Gabriel. So Gabriel is reciting this account of what he happened, what happened to him. He was attacking him for 21 days, three weeks. Gabriel is battling the demon that is the prince over the Iranian Persian empire. And so that's a long battle of three weeks of these two angelic beings, one good angel, one evil angel, the demon. And then Michael, who was the chief of all princes, the greatest of all angels, he came to help me, he says. 
for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. The point is, here's a powerful angel, Gabriel. He says, I'm battling this demonic being that is coming after me and coming after the people of Iran or Persia in those days. And I can't do it on my own. So I needed the angel Michael to come alongside and give me a victory over this powerful being. God is talking to you and me about this spiritual world. The flesh and blood, no. The spiritual powers. And I need his angelic and his divine power to do the things that God calls me to do. And if I try to do it on my own, I will be defeated. That's why a lot of people live defeated lives. They've never found that full victory. So we want the power of God to do that. So this is what Paul says for us to do. You need to put on the full armor of God so that we'll stand firm in our faith. This is what the text says. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's it's not the Supreme Court. It's not a presidential candidate. It's not the legislators in Sacramento. It's not the ISIS warriors. Yeah, they are instruments sometimes of those things we don't believe in or don't want. But there's something beyond that that's going on. So Paul says, our battle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These spiritual beings do not want us to succeed in the convictions of the Scripture and living a Christian life that is honoring to God. They don't want us to live that life. They want us to be defeated. They want us to be shame-based, to blame others, to have excuses, to rationalize. And so therefore God says, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to have you put on the full armor of God. And next Sunday we'll talk about specific elements of that armor. But this morning I just want to make the point that unless we put on the armor of God, we will be defeated. We will be wounded in the journey. Now, I'm going to do something that's a little bit risky, and uh, some people may object. That's okay. I've had people object before. When you're this long enough, you get somebody objects. But I want you to remember how important it is that we put on the armor of God to defeat the attacks of the enemy because we are being attacked. So, how many know what a pink ball gun is? You familiar with that? So I just want to alert you. I, you know, we get a little nervous sometimes when we see things that look like a gun. And so I have a pink ball gun here. And this means it's safe and so no one's going to get injured. So let me take it off. Yeah, this is a paintball gun. It's a loner. It's not mine. I am not that familiar with them. Let's see. Do you do you aim like uh, the safety's on, so you don't have to worry about a thing. I just want to get you a little. I I, I somehow I lost my little thing that I was gonna. Dis- so I'm gonna take Victor's uh, stand here. I just want you to see. I've never seen what a paint gun to do. Paintball gun can do. And so we've got other music stands. So I just want to get you a sense. I hope I don't hit the drums. So, safety on. Perfect. All right. Now, what I'd like to do, I need a volunteer who would like to come up here and shoot me. 
Now the hands go up. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I have a pre-chosen volunteer, so I'm going to invite... Is he here? Hello. There you are. Okay. Ethan Mayetta is going to come up here. We all know and love the Mayetta family involved in so many ways. Yes. And so, Ethan, you... Ethan, uh, I don't know if you know this, is a Marine, and he's a Santa Ana... Worthy of the applause. And he's also an officer with the Santa Ana Police Department. So, there we go. We love the Santa Ana Police Department. Ethan uh, told me that when he went through the academy and all the early on training, he was the number one marksman. So he is a good shot. So he's going to shoot me, and I just don't want him to hit my pretty face. So Ethan, safety's on. I'm going to stand over here. And this is all for, I want you to remember, I want you to learn. So if I die at my memorial, I want you to say something nice about this service. So Ethan, I think I'm ready. I can do this. You're forgetting something, Dave. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're right. That's a setup. So I'm going to put on my... armor. This is my personal vest. I wear it most days because you never know. Um, and then this is my motorcycle helmet. I had a little mishap. Um, all right. I'm ready. I think this would be the target zone. <laughs> should I draw it for you or? Okay, I should have done that. I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to black out. I'm ready. Let me have it. Oh, oh, two times. Oh. Ethan. <laughs> His mother made him, made him shoot me twice. Do you always obey your mother? Always. Always. All right. Ethan? Oh, no. All right. Last service. I shot a board leaning up against the piano and went right through the board and hit the piano. While I was preaching, Ron was cleaning it up behind me, I learned. Anyways, you know, it does sting, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, but here's the point. I know it's a lot of silliness, but it's pretty serious. How foolish it would have been for me to stand there and not put on a vest when I know, I know I'm going to be shot supposed to be once, but I was shot twice. But I know I'm going to be shot. How foolish is it to stand there and say, okay, shoot me without a vest on? It's insanity, right? You and I are being shot at. Again, we, we, we can be agnostic on it and just say, no, I just can't possibly be true. But we are being shot at. We'll talk about some of the specific things next Sunday. 
But one of the first things that the soldier that Paul was sitting next to when he was writing this letter in prison, he'd look at that Roman soldier and he would know the Roman soldier would put on the belt of truth. And unless I know what is true, I will be deceived and to believe what is false. That's one of the fundamental things that's going on today, that we don't know what's true anymore. And so we're going to learn about those areas, but I need to put on the armor so that when the attacks come, I can defend and I can have an offensive weapon as well, which is a sword of the Word of God. Imagine, and as tragic as it was what happened in Bangladesh, Orlando, San Bernardino, and elsewhere, imagine if any of those victims knew that today they're going to come in with an assault weapon or explosives. I think I'll dress differently. I'll think I'll train differently. I'll think I'll have offensive opportunities to take them out before they take me out. That would have been part of what my mindset would have been if indeed I was still going to even go. But every day we go, we go, and we go out, and we know that it's going to happen to us. Every day we know it's going to happen to us. And how foolish it is for us to go out and not have on the armor of God to know that I will be protected, to have the assault that God gives to me and the Word of God so I can push back in those areas that I will be shot at. I will be shot at. And so Paul says, put on the full armor of God. The word put on, when he says put on, he means put it on and leave it on. And I'm leaving this on until Ethan leaves the campus. Just kidding. But he says, when you put on the armor of God, it's not like, ah, occasionally, occasionally, I'll, I'll sort of dabble in it, I'll sort of get around to it, or if I wake up in time, I'll put it on. God says every single day, you need to have my armor because I'm telling you, there are enemies and they're going to battle you. And the reason he's going to battle us that way is because the Satan has schemes, because we have an enemy, the devil, that will attack us with his schemes, because we need to know the schemes of the devil. The word schemes, I love this Greek word, methodia. We get the English word method from it. But the, the, the background of that word is meta, meaning with, and hudeo, which means to travel with. What Satan loves to do is to travel with us. He's not ignorant of us. He's lived since eternity past when God created him somewhere before the creation of the heavens and the earth. He's had thousands of years to understand human behavior. So he travels with us. He gets informed about us. And we're all different. We all have different temptations. We all have areas of weakness. It's interesting. I read this last week. There was a fellow by the name of Jason Matthews who for 30 years was a CIA agent. And one of his goals as a CIA agent was to turn men and women in other countries to betray their own country. He said, there's two things that we would do to help them turn from their country. Number one, I would earn this person's trust. Number two, I would find out what motivates this person. What are his desires? What are his fears? What are his concerns? What are his priorities? And the more I'd learn about those things, I'd use them against him because I can angle things better when I understand more of what's in his heart. And that's exactly what Satan does. Satan travels with Dave Mitchell. He travels with me. And he knows what my areas of weakness are. He knows what my areas of vulnerability are. And it may be anger. It may be pride. It may be materialism. It may be lust. 
Whatever those things are, Satan says, I'm walking with you. I know where I can get you. I know what your weakness is. And I will use my schemes to take you out. So put on the armor of God. Because when he attacks, he's full on. He never stops. You know, Satan didn't take off the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> this is not a holiday for him. He's like, yeah, I just kick back demons. We don't, you know, we need, a, we need a break. We need a Sabbath. Satan never takes a day off. And so he is always on guard. And so therefore, Paul says, put on and don't take off the armor of God. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us some of the things he'll do. I'm afraid that as a servant deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of Christ. He wants to deceive us like he did Eve. He traveled with Eve. He, he understood Eve's weaknesses, and he got Eve to sin. 2 Corinthians 11 says, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Some of the best people, some of the, the most noble people that we might think are good people, sometimes Satan uses them to undermine biblical truth, convictions of morality. And there's a lot of people that are very good people. But pastors and leaders and church people, they can be deceived and promote things that are unbiblical. But they look so good in doing it. They can't be wrong. Look how good they are. Jesus came along and wants us to understand this secondly, that we must put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm in our faith because of this. There are organized spiritual forces working against us. These are demons, this demonic world. They're not a bunch of random powers that are sort of roaming around trying to figure this thing out. Again, demons and Satan have been living since the creation of the world. They know the history. They've been through every war that we've ever been. They were here when the country was founded. They understand you and me. So there are rulers and authorities that attack us. There are positions of power like the demon that was over the Persia land that Gabriel couldn't take out, but he needed Michael to do that. They are powerful. They have a territory that is over the entire world. They are over us. They are here. They are watching us. Again, I know that there are people who do not believe that. But disbelief in this truth does not make it not true. And then finally, they have a wicked intent in attacking us. Here's one of the things that they will do. In the last days, there will be this man who is going to be known as the beast, or we call it the Antichrist, but he's, in Scripture he calls him the beast. He will be sort of this ruler that will deceive the world. The reason the beast or this Antichrist, this individual that has political power that rules over us, is because of what Satan gives to him. It says, they worship the dragon who is Satan. That's another word for, drag, for Satan. I put them on the back side of the outline, other terms. The dragon, because he gave his authority to the beast. One of the things that Satan loves to do is to give his authority, give his power, give his capacity to individuals, men and women on earth, that they carry out his tasks. He gives them that power because they don't have Christ, they don't have the armor of God, and then they become swallowed up in this belief system. And Satan uses that against the world. And then finally, we need to take up that full armor. He says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, stand firm. God says, I want you to stand firm. I don't want you defeated in that area of struggle. Whether it's lust or, or, or anger or uh, foul language or you know, stealing. 
Whatever those things are that Paul has just listed in Ephesians 4 through 6 and many more beyond that, where my life is just sort of fragile in that area, that area of weakness, God says, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to have victory and boldness and confidence and assurance that you can live this life I've called you to live. So he says, take out the full armor of God so that you will resist, so you will stand firm. Hebrews tells us this. I love this verse. Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, Jesus did that when he died upon that cross. So the question that should come to our mind is, so why is he still so powerful as he has been rendered powerless by Jesus? And there's an illustration that kind of helps me think about it, maybe to help you. I read uh, this last week, uh, it was a woman, a Christian woman by the name of Carolyn Ahrens, and she grew up in a church like Calvary. And she would hear missionaries, like we have missionaries, come and tell their stories. And there was a missionary that she was listening to that for many decades, she and her husband lived in the jungles. And uh, they had all kinds of crazy things that would happen there. And one day, uh, this missionary woman said, a huge snake, bigger than a man, came slithering into our house. And she said, I went out screaming because I couldn't stand this big snake in my house. And so a man in the neighborhood that came in one of the villages that was nearby, he came with a machete. And he cut off. It was like a big boa constrictor. He cut off the head of the snake. And then he came outside and says, okay, I've killed the snake. But you cannot go in the home for hours. And the missionary woman says, why is that? Because the body doesn't know that it has no head. And there is a sort of neural reaction of the body slashing and lashing out all around, destroying the furniture and all kinds of... Because it's a heavy, huge snake. And I think that Satan has had his head cut off, spiritually speaking, on the cross, rendered powerless. But there is a residual power that is still lashing out at you and me for who we are, what we believe, and how we live our lives for Jesus. And so God says, put on the full armor of God and never take it off because I want you to have victory. And it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit as he fills us, as he said in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with that Spirit. Now, here is what I'd like for us to do. As we respond in worship, if you have the outline, the back side, I listed some of the areas that we know Satan and his demons love to attack. For example, Satan disguises his uh, life through religious people and organizations that distort God's truth. And there are churches all around us that are distorting God's truth and misleading God's people and many who are not God's people. He will attack, weaken, and try to defeat you as you try to stay faithful to Jesus. As Peter says, I'll never deny you, and Jesus says, you just wait because you're going to deny me before the rooster crows three times, and he denied him. He will undermine your life through broken and hurting relationships and a failure to forgive them. He will tempt anyone to sin when their marriage is broken or in conflict. He will challenge your faith when you experience health struggles and you don't seem to get better. He will attack when anxiety and worry overcome and often in times of suffering. And it will cause us to live in this sense of guilt and shame and worthlessness. And God says, that's not who you are in me. I've made you better than that. You are my child. 
These are just some areas where those things will occur. And there may be others for you as well. So I'm inviting you to pray and be prayed over right now. We are every, every service. We have prayer points. We have prayer points again today. If you'd like to come to them and pray, we would invite you to do that. And I wrote a little prayer out here that maybe could be your prayer. If you want to pray on your own, if you want to come up here and kneel and pray, you want to sit in your seat and pray, you can do that. But I wrote this prayer out. Dear Heavenly Father, please give me your strength and your power to overcome the attacks of the evil one in my life. I'm experiencing Satan's attacks in these ways and, and just privately acknowledge, yeah, he's got me there. That's it. I keep getting defeated in that area. I don't want to be defeated in that way. I want to have victory in that area. So God, don't let him have that victory anymore. Let me put on your power. Put on your armor. I confess any sin that may hinder my relationship with Jesus. Be honest. He loves to forgive us. Don't try to cover it up or rationalize it. My desire is to truly resist all the evil temptations and stand firm in your truth and holiness. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Now enable me to live the life that you've called me to live in victory and through all my struggles. I want us to, I want us to know the confidence and the victory that Christ gives to us. So as we worship together, if you'd like to have someone pray, come up here and we'll pray with you. If you'd like to pray on your own to the, here on your knees and your seats, let's just prayerfully bring all things to God and say, God, indeed I need your strength, power, and might. So God, give me the victory. Let me pray for us. Help us, Father, as we now want to live this life that you've called us to live. And we know, Lord, that there is an enemy that is shooting at us. And some of us probably have wounds and scars from even today or from years past. And God, sometimes they can be so painful and sore and, and Satan can use those memories to stir and discourage our hearts. Sometimes through relationships that have gone poorly, whether in marriage or parenting or friendships or classmates, co-workers, neighbors. Father, sometimes those relationships poison the heart as well. God, I don't want Satan to have any more victories over any of us in this room. So God, we know, we acknowledge, we commit to your power, your might, your strength. That your full armor would be on us that we would defeat the fiery darts and arrows of the enemy. Help us to live that life for you and help any who need it to call upon you now, to take you at your word, to believe that you're the powerful God that you say you are and to find the victory that comes through Christ. We commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.